Welcome to the Limitless Potential Podcast, where together we will dive into the personal, business, and career-rich tips, techniques, stories, and experiences of some incredibly successful and inspirational people, each with their own perspectives and journeys, and each with golden nuggets of wisdom which might just change your life. I'm Tracy Stone, and I'm a master trainer in a number of career supercharging techniques, a transformational coach, international best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and a woman discovering and evolving my very own limitless potential day by day. to another episode of Limitless Potential and I'm delighted to welcome Caroline Atkins today. Caroline is founder and director of ACE Marketing and PR and she's joining us from Milton Keynes. Caroline is a senior marketing and PR professional with over 15 years of amazing experience who began her career as a PR executive working on a number of very high profile accounts including Kia Motors, De Vere, Telefonica, and Appletizer, before she moved into an in-house marketing role in the UK's largest 10-pin bowling operator. In 2013, Caroline moved to the famed Avon Cosmetics, contributing an extra £5 million towards fashion and home segments for that business. Next, she moved to the health and fitness industry, working for Virgin Active, David Lloyd Clubs, and Anytime Fitness, where she became head of marketing. After falling ill with breast cancer at the end of 2019 and undergoing numerous treatments throughout 2020, Caroline returned to Anytime Fitness for just another year before branching out and starting her own full-service marketing consultancy, specializing in small and startup businesses, ACE marketing and PR. And she's here with us today to talk about her amazing journey and how she taps into her own limitless potential. Welcome, Caroline, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Tracy. It's an absolute delight to be here. I'm really happy to be here. Well, great. And you have so much to share with us. So we're going to get stuck right in there. But we're going to do that by going, as we like to do, way back to the beginning, because before you were this amazing, vibrant, successful woman, a powerhouse in the world of marketing and in your own life, you were a little girl. So let's go back and learn a little bit about you and what life was like for you growing up. Thank you. Um, it was it was a really interesting um, childhood. I had and still have amazing parents who love and care for me. And I've had such lovely, wonderful experiences in my life growing up. Um, my parents were always taking me away. Um, we used to not necessarily um, European travel, but obviously um, places in the UK. So I subsequently have an amazing love of travel now. 
So I really enjoy going out and seeing new things, trying things out. I'm very, very adventurous. Um, some would say bold or brave or even a little bit crazy. Um, but I do really enjoy now going and seeing the world. And that's uh, I've seen 34 countries so far. So I'm trying to keep up with my age. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with my age, but COVID unfortunately uh, put a bit of a, a squash on that. Unfortunately, yeah. um, but but I had a, a really nice childhood. I always, in terms of the, growing up and and the work ethic, I always threw myself into things at school. I was always known as the chatty but very hardworking child. Um, when I went to secondary school I had the same in my reports. It's uh, Caroline's very very happy, very chatty. She's always bubbling over with ideas which somehow sometimes always come out in the class and sometimes she talks a little bit too much and I kind of had that throughout my whole life then I went into my career and I always I always knew what I wanted to do I always knew it was going to be in communication probably because of my love of communicating with people you know verbally non-verbally I'm very with my hands and I'm very body languagey as well so I've always really enjoyed people I'm very much a people person so I knew at a quite a young age that I would go to potentially hopefully go to university and I always knew I was going to do something in the communication field where I could meet and talk to people and then the other side of me has always wanted to help people as well so I think the two have merged in terms of the marketing side overall because I've wanted to get to the point where I can work with people and enjoy learning and doing new things and have a very diverse role. But I also want to help people. So actually, the whole way through my career where I've worked for different brands, I've been very, very passionate about those brands and wanting to take them to the next level. And I take it very personally. I kind of, you know, put my hat on and say, right, let's go. Um, because I want to get those results and achieve that for every company or brand I've worked with. So I think that's very much been the, the kind of ethic that I've had in my life. The only thing I would say is I've always also been a bit mile a minute uh, in terms of my lifestyle. So that's kind of led hand in hand with me putting a lot of pressure on myself to get high grades at school, then to go to university where I got a 2-1 in my public relations degree, which was fantastic. fantastic. And I was one of the only people to kind of almost get a first which I always kind of really enjoy that um but it was a lot of hard work and I did put a lot of pressure on myself and then from there obviously as you said in the bio I've, I've gone into PR but I found that world I loved the work I was doing but again with the people side of things I found it a quite a difficult world to be in because it was almost too much for me and I could have gone to the nth degree of being very chatty networking all of these things that I was doing there was no off switch and I think for my for my own future and my own well-being I realized very quickly that I loved the the work of the PR elements but I didn't always like the kind of competition within the agencies it was very cutthroat in some of them and you spread yourself very thin as well, which with my work ethic, I like to do a really good job with who I'm working with. And actually, when you find that you work on eight different clients at a time, you are spreading yourself extremely thin. And I, I found that after a while, the idea of working in an in-house role was much more appealing. And then that's when I kind of shifted across to the marketing side, something that I did as part of my degree. So I had marketing, advertising and PR as part of my degree. So it was really useful because I could chop and change. And I also really thought 
I'd like to do something different and enjoy a new challenge. So I went into the marketing side then at the bowling company and it was a place where I could really give my all. You know, I really enjoyed it, got stuck in, massive learning curve for me. I was there for about six years. And then after that, I was ready to face a new challenge. And it's it's that kind of lifestyle, changing jobs, keep moving forwards has always been my way. But I did find that as unfortunately I got a bit older and I got more successful jobs, I started to have more senior positions that required a lot more responsibility and a lot more from me that again, giving my all, I really started to give my all and I wasn't then taking any work-life balance into consideration. I was working for so many people that they miss out on the work-life balance. But, you know, you have had a, a like a super active career that you have been to several businesses, worked on many big accounts. What is it, what do you feel has propelled you to kind of keep growing, keep changing and kind of going from the likes of Kia Motors to Devere and to Telefonica and to Appletizer? What do you feel is that impetus that keeps you saying, I, I need more, I need this different thing? I think it's the self-motivation. I've always been able to work off my own initiative, but I'm always looking forward as well. So I'm very much, I like to be challenged. Uh, Somebody once told me in one of my one-to-ones, actually, they called me a challenger and said, you don't shy away from something that seems incredibly big as a project or incredibly hard or something you haven't even done before you'll go for it. And that's what we like about you. And I guess I've always applied that and I'm quite a determined person. So for me, if I'm in a job and I love it, I'll obviously stay a couple of years, but then after a while, if I feel like things are kind of ticking over, it's becoming a bit kind of repetitive. And I'm also, if I'm not learning anything new, um, there's always this feeling in me that the impetus to to kind of move forwards. And I I do like new challenges. I, I feel as a people we need to always be moving forwards a bit like water you know if you're flowing in a river the water's clean it's clear you're always going forwards you'll keep propelling yourself on if you kind of get to a point where you do become a bit complacent then you kind of you do end up potentially being more of a pond scenario where we know you know pond it's complacency it's still water you get the algae and the nasty things start to creep up and I feel that very much in myself and with me I've always wanted to learn new things so going from PR into marketing was a great challenge and then doing six years there at that company um, that was a great challenge and then I got to the point where I was the um, national PR and marketing manager but I'd been doing it for a couple of years and I wasn't training myself I wasn't learning anything new so the next thing I did was I did a master's so I did my CIM qualification postgraduate so postgraduate diploma in marketing and that was a massive challenge so the CIM just for those that are listening that may not know it's the Chartered Institute of Marketing um so that's amazing uh how was that for you going back into study again and picking it up kind of in your own time as you do when you do that absolutely it it was uh 
it was probably one of the biggest challenges for me at that time because I was around 26 years old. I'd come from uni, I'd done a couple of years work, I got my grounding and then suddenly I was going back to a uni lifestyle whilst working and the two had to then gel and it was a really unique experience for me because I decided again typical me fashion was to just go all in and not do the part-term course um, where you did a couple of years but do the part-time one where it was over just one year so I had to go to classes I had to go all of my weekends were taken up and all of my evenings were taken up then doing the assignments and then I was working nine till six every day in between as well so that first year was really 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 difficult I'm not going to lie it was it was a lot but again, I didn't want to give up. It was one of those things that I knew it was going to help for my future. And I was just really enjoying learning all of these new things that, you know, marketing is the same as people. Marketing never stops. Marketing always progresses. And if you're not learning new things, there is a tendency to perhaps get left behind because the world moves very quickly. And that for me was really important. And do you feel that um, going back and doing this postgraduate study was highly impactful for you so you know thinking of people who might also be in their careers and thinking I need some help here but I don't really want to go back and study because of course it's going to be giving up my time or it's going to be hard work what's your advice to people and your experience in that way of the impact it has meant to your career to go back into study and throw your time and your energy at it I think it is, is I would absolutely advise people to go for it. If it's something that they're looking at, it doesn't have to necessarily be a master's or a specific industry qualification, even if it's a shorter course, it's something else that they're adding another string to their bow. And it's always going to be something that's going to be useful to, to pull from in the future when you're trying to move upwards in your career. Certainly as a woman as well, obviously we, we all know there's a glass ceiling potentially. There are things that every little thing we can do to add to what we're worth and our value in terms of an, a business environment is going to be the right thing to do. So yes, it is extremely hard work. And yes, it was frustrating at times. It was very hard at times. But it is ultimately worth it because if you look at it in the grand scheme of your entire life, so, you know, your life isn't going to end after a year, it's going to be a good couple of decades, right? So for me, one year out of my whole, the rest of my life, it was absolutely worthwhile to take that punt and go for it. And I think there's, uh, there's such a movement in younger people now saying that qualifications don't matter. Now, it's not something that I necessarily agree with, but, you know, there's a balance to all things. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be about the qualification on paper. It has to be about the person's talent, skill, energy, motivation, their drive. But mm. it still is vital, isn't it, in the workplace? And it puts you head and shoulders above other people. Absolutely. I, I, I think there, there's always something to be said about going to university, obviously, with the costs increasing, it's a different time. And I understand there's a lot of nervousness around paying those costs with the financial difficulties that everyone's going through right now. But every position I've been for, to, to look at in terms of interviewing, it is really important. And it has come up, what kind of qualifications do you have? A lot of 
positions certainly if you're looking to propel your career to a much more senior level that's where the CIM qualification the degree that's where these things really have come into themselves because people are still looking for that element they're looking to know that you can do things both practically but they're also looking to know that you've taken the passion that you feel for some area or industry and you've taken that passion and you've actually developed it for your own gain and your own knowledge. And I think that really helps to come through in interview scenarios. Mm -hmm. And it certainly helped me to take different steps to become a more senior position and a, a more well-rounded person, I think, as well, in terms of my overall career. It's given me a lot more confidence, I think, as well. Good. So then you moved into Avon, you mentioned, the iconic yes. Avon business. What was yes. that like for you? Um, it was really interesting because, again, it was a completely new challenge. So I'd come from the PR side to the, the kind of service marketing. So marketing the bowling centres um, for Tempin Bowling, um, which was Hollywood Bowl and the original bowling company. So that was very different. When I went into Avon, I did firstly, I didn't even know that they had uh, a lingerie and apparel or even a home department. I thought it was just you know makeup and it's you know you only think of it being the the little book that's dropped on your doorstep you know there's it turned out there was a whole new world of things I didn't know about Avon and I found that really enriching and interesting to kind of develop and understand more about Avon as a brand and it, at the time it's probably even bigger now but at the time it was a 10 billion global company and I had no idea so wow. I, I went I went there very much not knowing what to expect. The marketing was very different. I'd focused more on national marketing campaigns, more consumer. This was more analytical. It was more data driven and it was very much looking at different products and looking at the size of line, the product segmentation. We had annual planning sessions where we'd go through and look at, you know, how the products had performed before mitigation sessions where you would talk to an analyst uh, or a merchandiser and we'd look at how to tweak some of the pricing or how to make it look more appealing so we could sell more products or what do we do with the products that aren't selling. And to me, it just really opened my eyes in terms of the product product side of marketing and the world of kind of looking at those products and how to, to market them in very, very different ways. But what it did is teach me another completely new skill set in terms of the analytical side and being it's something that I've taken with me for the rest of my life is being a lot more quantifiable. I'm very, I'm very much a touchy feely. I'm an empathic person. So mostly it's more quality and, and those kind of things and explaining things. But for a business a lot of business acumen and there's certainly a lot of CEOs they like to see numbers they like you to be able to quantify a campaign you can't just say I think it did well so this job really helps solidify those points and it really helped for me to grow and understand actually when I'm doing something if I'm spending a certain amount what is my return on investment what do I want to see from this campaign how do I need to price or market these products to people so I know that we're not going to have them sitting in stock and then have to reduce their price next year so really, really helpful, completely different style of marketing, but taught me a lot in terms of the quantifiable aspects and the analytical and the data driven aspects. I love that so much. And it harks back to a huge amount of my corporate history as well. Making things measurable is so vital. And the more we understand about that in every job, every type of career, every type of job within the careers, 
when you make things measurable, you then are able to understand why you should do something and why you should not do something else, why you should invest, why you should not. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, it's something that we should all be doing in all facets of our life. Um, but certainly in marketing and PR, certainly PR, it's one of the hardest things to quantify. It's very much people will say finger in the air and use that as an expression or they'll say it's Mickey Mouse and, you know, it's a bit airy fairy. PR is one of the hardest things to quantify, to, to, to knuckle down and figure out exactly what are you getting for the spend, because a lot of it is unseen. With marketing, at least you've got a bit more, but absolutely, it's so important to be able to show what you're doing and then going back and evaluating things, because then it helps to inform your future marketing decisions. What was successful? What wasn't successful? So absolutely good, great learning curve for me. And the people there were lovely as well. I just wanted to add that. Absolutely. The nicest people who are a lot of them still friends. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. But if you can't measure the impact of what you've done, how can you ever know if it worked? You know, it's exactly a business, unless it's your own business and you have all the money in the world to throw at it. In any business that is paying you, you can't just go to the business leaders and say, we feel it did really well. They need the evidence because they're the ones putting the money in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Every time, hands down, it's always, it always comes back to the numbers. Yeah. So I think that's that's a, a strong message and strong advice to everybody. Whether your business is measuring the right things or not, try and find out what to measure, what are the metrics, how to measure them, and give the evidence of the impact that you were doing in your job, and you will have a much better outcome from that. Perfect. And to be honest as well, keep a note of the things that you're doing because who here has you know tried to write their cv after five years being out of practice and not remembering all the great and wonderful things you've done actually making a note of those things or having those uh you know performance analytical those those presentations that you've potentially sent to someone or you've presented to someone you can always draw back from that experience and it would absolutely help to fulfill your new cv and help you put yourself in the next position I think that's such a wonderful point, Caroline. It's such an important one. When anybody is doing their CV or their resume, so vital to not just say that I have managed teams or I have managed accounts. You need to put numbers. You need to put the measurable component in there for a prospective employer to think, okay, this person is operating at the level that is attractive to us. Absolutely. And it's something that I learned over time was to not just list everything that I was doing, but to also put key highlights of my role on there. So what did, what were my key achievements in each area that I've done? And that's really I think that's really helped to make me stand out because it's a really hard world out there at the moment, isn't it? There's a lot of competition. And actually, the more you can do to, like I said, with going back and doing the training, extra things to add to your skill set, but also the things that you can highlight that you've done in each job that have helped propel that business forward and you can add those metrics to it absolutely hands down it's it's so worthwhile love it so from avon you moved on you stayed in your marketing world and mm -hmm. you were in virgin active in david lloyd clubs anytime fitness how was all that was it the same was it different um, similarities, but actually, again, it's just building on those experiences. So doing the marketing in Avon was very, very different. The, the more product side, again, when I went into health and fitness, it was a lot more service 
product uh, service marketing and there was a, lo a lot to take in in terms of the health and fitness industry as well so lots more knowledge to you know really get your teeth into I, I loved the premise of working in the gyms because again that part of me that likes to help people knew that working for a company where there are gyms they're offering people the chance to go in and it, it's not just weight loss it's building confidence it's toning and making yourself feel healthier from the inside out it's having that work-life balance even to go and give yourself permission to go and do some training some exercise things to help just make you feel better and all you know more rounded as a person giving you that dopamine you know um people coming back to training after rehabilitation there are so many different facets and I I found that really nice knowing that okay it wasn't completely altruistic I was working for a company that yes it's a business they are making money but actually what they're doing is offering a service to people to help better to their lives yeah. and certainly when I went to Anytime Fitness we used to do a lot of what we used to call inspiration stories it was called uh, any, I think it was Anytime Stories and it was all about people who were coming to the gym and they all had certain whether it's overcoming medical adversity or rehabilitation completely different spectrums of their lives and pe different people and they all had that common goal and it was just so wonderful and inspirational to see their stories wow. and doing and being part of that really I really enjoyed that because it just made me feel like yeah okay I'm still in business but I'm doing something to give something back and you could see all the people we were helping so really enjoyed working at the um the health and fitness industry obviously we're getting to the point where i'm talking about transitioning into the kind of the middle period i suppose even though it was more recent but yeah. it, it was a very fast-paced lifestyle so not saying that my previous jobs in marketing hadn't been because certainly anyone who knows who works in PR and marketing knows that it's extremely fast-paced but I did find particularly working in health and fitness it was very fast-paced there were a lot of deadlines it was very much you chained to your desk not through any fault of anyone's own certainly the companies would try and do well-being and encourage you to take your lunch breaks but a lot of, a lot of the time you know what it's like someone says go and take your lunch but you know you have to get something done in the next hour it's not going to happen so unfortunately my lifestyle kind of de degraded slightly I didn't give myself permission to to have that work-life balance I was very very driven and I'd got to a level that I was really happy with and I wanted to extend that and I wanted to kind of I always had this vision of myself and this dream to get to to become a marketing director or to own my own company which we'll talk about when we get to that stage and I wasn't quite there yet I had a lot of kind of self-doubt and self-talk at that time where I said I've been doing this for a while I could probably do this now I could probably go and start my own thing but I also had the negative talk to say, you're not quite ready yet. You don't have enough experience. What if it goes wrong? You don't have the financial security in case it does go wrong. There are so many little voices that I always kind of just shelved it and thought, we'll come back to that in a couple of years. For now, let's go through the career ladder and let's go in positions where you are stable. But let's keep building yourself up and up. And, and that's when I eventually became the head of marketing at Anytime Fitness. So I'd been at um, David Lloyd and I'd been the acquisition manager there we had a great team really enjoyed it and I learned so much from them so because we had a huge budget we had the opportunity to work on so many channels offline online tv rebranding I found it absolutely fascinating and it was very very enriching 
it was a lot though and again when I moved across I interviewed for the head of marketing position and I took that at Anytime Fitness I started that role from the foundations I had complete autonomy I absolutely loved it I've, I've never been more excited to start a role in my life because it felt like the happy medium for an interim solution for me wanting to have my own business it was almost my business because I had the options to do what I wanted and I had strategy that I could put down and it would be followed but I didn't have the financial or the the fear of what if it doesn't work out because I had my peers around me and knowing I had that support was kind of a great interim mm-hmm. so yeah it, it it took me to that level I, I finally got to the head of marketing that I wanted to be and I really enjoyed it for a time but it was a lot and I was burning the candle at both ends I live in Milton Keynes I was driving down to Watford every day to their head office it was a hundred miles round trip a day sometimes as I'm sure we're all aware the M1 doesn't play ball and sometimes I was stuck in traffic sometimes it would take me three hours to get to work I would leave it just after seven every morning and it was a complete gamble whether I would get to the office at nine half eight (laughs) eleven and it became a thing with my colleagues where sometimes we'd nickname it hashtag traffic Tuesdays because sometimes for some reason Tuesdays would be extra bad but yeah it was just that kind of lifestyle I was eating not as well I my home life I'd just get home at maybe nine o'clock I'd shovel something into my mouth and then I'd go to sleep and then I'd reset and start the day all over again and it wasn't healthy and then at times sometimes I'd have to do things we had a campaign coming up sometimes I'd be working when I got home even until midnight one o'clock and then I wasn't getting enough sleep as well so it just it was a really hard cycle And I think now you're describing a cycle that a lot of people who want more out of life, more out of their career are in. So, you know, this is a vital part of that story that uh, we work hard, we want more, and that means more fulfillment, um, more enjoyment, more passion in the work we do, more reward, a reward of all kinds. But sometimes it comes at a price. Absolutely. And I, I I often used to make a joke with my friends that as my career developed and as I got in more senior positions, my waistline also expanded in line with those because I was sitting a lot more. You know, I was sitting at a desk for 12 hours a day sometimes and then sitting in my car for a couple of hours either side of that as well. So there was a lot of times where I was just constantly cycle of work sleep eat repeats Mm -hmm. and it just felt like I was a record just going round and round and at the time I told myself this is the right thing to do this is how you develop this is how you move forward I didn't think about other options and I think that's quite important is that I should have been looking at myself and was it fulfilling for me because I knew I was putting everything my all into my work Mm -hmm. so I knew I was covering all bases there but actually was I doing the same thing for myself at home and in my personal life? No, no, I wasn't, sadly. So if you look back at that time now, knowing what you know, and we're going to get into that part of your journey in a moment, but already looking back at that, what would you advise yourself to do any differently? Because you still wanted to succeed. You still needed to keep progressing and to know I'm moving. I'm moving onwards and upwards. That's the goal. How would you advise yourself any differently now? I think looking back now, it would be it would be taking things a step at a time. 
and not trying to see the bigger picture or the end goal. I've I've always wanted to kind of run to the finish line, you know, and for me, it's what can I do? What can I learn? Who can I speak to? How do I get to do this? And it's always been very much that kind of trajectory. Mm-hmm. But actually, if I could go back now, I'd say to myself, take it one hurdle at a time. You know, you don't have to kill yourself to get to that position. Yes, you have to put the hard work in. Yes, there are things and there are always in marketing, there are always going to be times where you have to stay to finish, to do something against the deadline. That's that's a standard in marketing. Mm -hmm. But I might have given myself permission to take 30 minutes, have a walk. There are a lot more things I think we know about now as well, just in media as well, talking about the whole well-being and mental health aspects that help you realize that there are a few things I could have done to be a bit kinder to myself, I think, at that stage. And just let myself breathe a little and then get back into it. I didn't have to be all go all the time I, you know I'm talking about sometimes I my colleagues will laugh at me for this but sometimes they they used to always know I did it I'd arrive and I'd be eating my breakfast in the car on the way up or I'd bring my bowl in with me and I'd eat it at my desk and it's just constant stream of just not allowing myself to just take a moment and it is so important even in your personal life just take a step and yes look at the bigger picture but understand that there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen tomorrow. But doing everything you can today is also not going to make it happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think just just being a bit kinder to myself, if I could go back. Yeah. OK, so tell us what happened next, because something big, huge, momentous came into your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think a combination of the whole not having the work life balance and doing things constantly and just not settling down, not having that quiet time. I think a lot of it started to impact me. And like I said, with the waistline comments, unfortunately, I started to put a lot of weight on. I had also been through a couple of things. um, I hope it's okay to share, but I had been through a couple of personal things that were really difficult unfortunately all happened during my time at Anytime Fitness so within the first year there um, my niece was unfortunately incredibly ill um, she had a glioblastoma and unfortunately she she passed away uh, when she was only 11 mm-hmm. and it was an incredibly difficult time for all of us as a family our friends extended family it's just been and it still is to this day extremely hard to to think about her and, and think about who she would be as a young woman now because I would love to have been a mentor for her I would love to have helped you know be a bit of a role model try to 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 take her through those stages of life I think it would have been really really great and it feels very difficult to 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 deal with that and it was a hard time I then went on unfortunately um I was in a relationship and it was it was a great relationship we were really happy together I'd say it it was a very comfortable relationship we weren't necessarily driving each other and again I think perhaps I was starting to feel that in my personal life that okay I'm I'm flying in my career and I'm doing everything I want there but I'm not being driven I'm not being challenged and we're not supporting each other like maybe we should do at home Mm -hmm. we decided to have children Unfortunately, when that was a few years after the death of my niece, we did unfortunately have two losses along that journey. And it was it was an incredibly hard time. I put even more weight on. 
I think that comfort eating potentially, you know, beating myself up again, like I said earlier, there's a lot of pressure that I put on myself and you, you kind of take everything and you manifest it internally. And I think through doing that alongside just working like crazy and the travel, the commuting and the high level, the high pressure of the role, it was this kind of perfect storm of all of these different things happening that actually, I think my body just turned around one day and said, I think you need to slow down. I've had enough. I just can't keep doing this. And internally, something started to manifest that it, it something happened. And unfortunately, I developed a tumor and, and I, I didn't even notice it. I was so wrapped up in doing everything, you know, I didn't notice it for probably a while. And I know people say you should check your breasts and you should be very vigilant about things like this. But unfortunately, I know all of us lead busy lives or we don't think it's going to happen to us. I'm a massive advocate now, obviously, for, for, for doing that and making sure you keep on top on things. But at the time, it wasn't my first consideration. And it took for me to have a few of these things, obviously, these big traumatic incidents had happened and I'd constantly try to to keep going and just keep be strong be brave you know the the British upper lip carry on you know and I didn't let myself grieve I didn't I didn't let myself kind of go through that process thoroughly and again I think that internalized so there was a lot of kind of things I was doing that were probably quite negative behaviors for my body and Unfortunately, I got to the stage where things did fall apart with that person I was in a relationship with. We were together five five years. It was great until it wasn't. And, and then I think those things, they were probably the nail in the coffin, you know, the, the going through the, the child loss. And it was a lot. And unfortunately, we did split up. And I used that as a catalyst to try and build myself back up again. It was kind of my ground zero for my own personal life. I was happy with the work side, so I knew I could carry on with that. But it was time to start having a bit of introspection and looking at myself and saying, what do I actually want for my personal life? What do I need even? And how can I be a bit kinder to myself? So I started on this journey, even back then, of losing weight, going to the gym. You know, I had free gym membership, by the way, while I was working in these places. And the irony is I was always too busy and I never used it. So I started to take that. That was one of the first things I gave myself permission to do was use the benefits that have been given to you you know, go to the gym, lose the weight, start to feel better inside out. So I did start doing that. And I, I had this idea that I was on this great new path of rediscovery, and I was going to really, you know, push myself forwards. And then unfortunately, when I started dating, I, I met someone online, I decided I wanted to look my best for that date. And I decided, do you know what, this person works in a high level industry, they're surrounded by beautiful people. And I feel a bit like I need something else. And I don't do sunbeds at all, ever. I mean, I probably had about five in my entire life up until that point. And I decided, you know, what? I'm just going to go and have a little cheeky sunbed, you know, get a bit of a glow. Mm. And after I had that sunbed, the weirdest thing was that I felt this pain. It was a very sharp pain just here in the top of my left breast. And the instant panic set in. Oh, my God, is this skin cancer? Because I never went to sunbeds, I was thinking, have I done this to myself? I had a little bruise that appeared there as well, but not a fresh bruise, one that looked kind of like brownie black, like it had been there for a few days. So 
I decided to go home and investigate. And it wasn't until I took my clothes off and I had a look and I was feeling around the area that I made this shocking discovery that actually there was a golf ball sized lump inside that breast. And I, I, it took my breath away. Mm. I was absolutely stunned, shocked. All the thoughts start going through your head. What on earth is this? But at the same time, the hilarious thing is part of me was thinking, I don't have time for this. I'm sure it's nothing. I'll just go, I'll go to the doctor room. And then I was thinking, I don't have time to go to the doctor. When am I going to get an appointment for this? You know, so actually even then it was an annoyance to me, something that was a frustration, not an actual concern. And I, all I could think about is I need to, I need to figure out when can I take time off work to go to this appointment, to go and check it out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know, that kind of the mindset struck in. I think a lot of people will empathize with that because something happens Mm -hmm. and they think, oh yes, maybe I should look into that. Or they think, no, it'll go away. It'll solve itself. Or I'll find time next week because I'm busy this week. You know, there are some things that just cannot wait. And this is what you found out as well. Absolutely. And I'm glad that I didn't wait. It was one of the first times I think, thankfully, I did the right thing. And I got an appointment within that week and they they examined it. They were unsure at that stage, but they sent me to testing straight away at the hospital. I was then seen by the breast care unit at uh, the University Hospital at Milton Keynes. And they were fantastic there they put me at ease they did all the tests I had a mammogram I had an ultrasound which was inconclusive and then I had what I refer to as the not so great biopsy uh, spud gun experience so (laughs) when they do that they kind of insert a, a long needle into the breast tissue and then they kind of pull a trigger and it kind of like a spud gun collects the tissue and pulls it out Mm -hmm. not the best experience in my life but for anyone out there who is potentially going through testing or might do in the future it's a few seconds of pain for knowing what you need to know and to be honest I'd rather go for a few seconds of pain than be in limbo or or have left that waiting and not knowing what was happening until it was too late so absolutely sometimes you just have to say I don't like this but I have to do it and there is no other option you just need to get on with it and put your big girl pants on as they say Love it. Um, put big girl pants on so you put your big girl pants on you did the test mm-hmm. And And unfortunately, the test results, I got the results back. They called me in on the 19th of November and they said my mum was with me at the time because the the results came through and they called me very quickly to come in for them. And knowing things about the way it works in the hospitals, I thought it's very quick. They're asking me to come in. I'm sure they need to tell me something important. If it wasn't important, it's kind of a no news is good news. Um, And I knew that something was up so I took my mum with me for extra support I already had been thinking about what could happen if it was breast cancer and I'd already got a few questions down so I went in prepared with a little notebook prepared for the worst but really hoping for the best and unfortunately that's the crushing moment where they did tell me that I had breast cancer and not only that I had breast cancer but it looked like it was quite aggressive it was what they classed as a grade three tumor so that's not to be confused with stage three 
in terms of it spread it, it spread or metastasized around the body it means that the tumor that is there is i was fortunate that they called it a sticky tumor that it was still within the breast tissue only but it was growing a very inemsurate uh, rate it was very very quick and extremely aggressive so i had to go for more tests it was it was a very very scary moment i i sat there my world just kind of came crashing down but the weird thing is i've often heard people say that when you get that kind of news everything goes out of focus and you kind of just go in on yourself and you don't really know what's going in on i was the opposite i became hyper focused it was like i had this tunnel vision and i was just I went into, I think it was either fight or flight mode and I went for the fight. I just straight away was, I'm focused on how do I fix this? Mm -hmm. Conversely, my mum sitting next to me was the complete opposite. And, you know, I really felt for her because she just burst into tears. She was an absolute wreck. And I think her doing that was kind of, it was a reminder to me just how important and how scary and big this news is. Whereas all I could think about is, okay, but how do I, how do I fix this? Mm -hmm. I couldn't let myself kind of take that all in at that time. It was quite an unusual moment of clarity, if anything. So I, I got my notepad out and I started saying, right, how many sessions do I need? What's my treatment going to be? How quickly can I get some stuff done? And what's my prognosis like? What, what are my chances? Because I needed to know this information. And they told me everything that they could tell me, but they also said, look, we're not going to give you all the information at this stage because it's a bit mind blowing. You've got a lot to take in already. And whatever you do, don't go and Google. Do not go on Google. Do not go and look into all these different things because you'll end up just driving yourself mad. Mm -hmm. So what was the first thing I did when I got home? I looked it all up on Google. Of course you did. <laughs> Because I think a lot of people would do that. You just, you need to know. And I think sometimes knowing the information, whether it's good or bad, is just as important because your mind can do crazy things if you don't know. So I could have looked at things and thought that my prognosis was a lot worse. I could have stressed about things that weren't even important if I hadn't done that research. So to me, knowledge is power. And I decided... I can do something positive with this. I'm not going to just stand here and take it. My prognosis was good. I think I had 73% chance of survival. So already I'm thinking it's more than 50-50. Got to take that as a win. Mm. And every time I tried to focus on the positives, even to the point where my mum actually laughed at me, but in the actual appointment, because I'd been on that losing weight trajectory, I said, oh okay this is a really weird thing to say but at least at least I'll lose some weight from the chemo right so I was just grabbing it you know clutching at straws of trying to think that something that would make it slightly better and yeah and they they turned around and said unfortunately no a lot of people put weight on during chemo which was a complete myth I'd never heard that before and it was like all these reality bombs were just going off you know this is real you are going to lose your hair you're going to put weight on, not because of the chemo drugs, but because of the steroids that they give you to help you deal with the chemo. So lots of new things to learn. And it just blew my mind internally. I kind of took that home and was like, oh, okay, I've got a lot to process. And the way I dealt with it was just taking the time to process it. I, I took some time out. I saw my mum for a bit. I asked to go home and I sat alone for a good hour and just contemplated everything. What am I going to go through? 
there's always that bigger picture where I was looking at the end goal is how do I get through to, to recover and be okay again? But then I was already thinking, it's a long road. Don't don't think about that yet. You need to think about what's next and what's coming up next week, not next year, you know? Don't the other the elephant in one go. Absolutely. And, and the other factor is I had just met somebody. So this was a, another kind of crazy scenario that it was like this big pot of all these different things happening to me at the same time, which was, again, quite crazy. And I'd met this person online. He was absolutely lovely. And we'd been on free dates. And I thought, this guy's really great. I can see a future with him. He's exactly what I wanted in a partner. Uh, someone who was equal to me. He had a lot of drive and career aspirations as well. The way he spoke about things, he had a lot of interests. And I knew that we would be the kind of people to push each other forwards and, and help support each other. So I already had great vibes about this person. But then I had this news and I thought, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I go on dating this person when all this stuff's going to happen to me? So my instant thought was, I'm going to have to just say, I, I'm not dating anymore. I'm going to have to just tell him and be honest and say, it's it's not worth it. You don't want to be with me. You know, you do that thing where you push people away. Mm -hmm. And my mom actually convinced me and said, no, no, you don't have to say that. You could just be honest with her and give him the option. So I said, okay. I'll give it a go. And that very night, after I had an hour of contemplation, I was straight back on it. I was calling my friends, family members, telling them and just personally letting them know what I was going to be going through. Just to, I didn't want them to hear it through another source or to have questions they couldn't ask me. And then I messaged this guy and said, do you want to come around? Um, he was busy, but he's, he's, I said, do you want to come around after you've done your, because he was in a band, your band practice, come around and we'll watch a film and we'll have a pizza and a chat. He instantly took it as in we were going to have the chats. And I think he thought I was going to ditch him. Um, but we watched the film. I sat there thinking, I've got this guy here under these pretenses and I don't know how on earth I'm going to tell him. And it got to the point where halfway through the film, I'm thinking, this is like trying to tell someone you love them. You want to say it. You really, really want to say it. And it's on the tip of your tongue. But every time you go to say it, you get that fear. It's absolutely crushing. And you, you're just crippled with fear and you can't say anything. So I kept trying to say it. And then eventually I just grabbed the remote. I put the film on pause and I turned to him and said, Okay, I need to talk to you. I can't hold on to this any longer. And there is no easy way of saying this. So I'm just going to have to blurt it out and we'll go from there. But I got diagnosed with breast cancer today and I just need you to know I need to be honest. And I need you to know because you're a great guy and I can see a future with you. But obviously things are going to change. It's going to be very drastic. I'm going to lose my hair in the next couple of weeks. It's guaranteed. I have to start chemo in the next week because they've said because it's so aggressive, they're looking for cancellations. They need me to start yesterday because this is serious. And I can't hide this stuff from you. And I don't want to hide stuff from you because I think we've got a great relationship already. But I appreciate we've only been together for three weeks or so. And it's completely up to you what you want to do with this information. If you want to leave, that's absolutely fine. There's no judgment here. I just need to be honest with you. And his, res and his response was amazing. It blew me away because he sat there. He looked really shocked. And he even said, I think, oh, my gosh, like that is that's shocking oh wow you know the, these kind of responses came out of his mouth and then he just sort of looked at me wide-eyed for a second and then he said okay 
that was the first thing he said was just okay I, and then he said, I know that your family live quite far away. They're not going to be on your doorstep. I live 10 minutes down the road and I think you're fantastic. And you know what? I, I'm not sure how this is all going to go for us. But if you want to carry on, I'm happy to carry on. Let's see what happens. And you know what? If you need a hug at two in the morning, I'm 10 minutes down the road. I'll be there. However you want this to work, even if you just want me as a friend, I'm invested in this now so and you're a good person so I'm here regardless of how that looks let's just see what happens and I cried because it was just such an amazing affirming nice thing for someone to say and I just I've I've really felt supported in that moment and he went on to become such a big important part of my life so um, I, I won't go into a huge amount of detail about all the treatments, but just to give you the top line, I I had that cancellation. I had a port fitted, which I've not covered this up with makeup. I'm proud of that, that scar. But that was the first thing that happened. They put a port in while I was awake. It was, uh, again, for anyone who's going through this out there. I will be honest, it's it's hard. It's a hard operation to go through. You are awake, it's a, a local anesthetic, it does hurt. But again, it was about 40, 45 minutes. The people who did it were lovely. It was just, it was just hard. It was one of the things that I came out afterwards and they said to me, please, please don't cry or anything because there are people in the waiting room who are going in to do what you've just had and we don't want to scare them I held it together I was holding a cup of hot chocolate my hand was shaking like this I got out of there downstairs into the car and I just burst into tears because it was the first thing that I'd experienced out of this journey and it was incredibly hard Mm. and from there it didn't get any easier you know I then had the chemo sessions which they told me very categorically you have a really aggressive type of cancer um I like to think I'm different than other people but when it comes to things like this I'm really annoyed that I'm different sometimes because I had to do this just my body had to be different but they said you have have, uh, they called it a mosaic cancer so it was part triple negative because it didn't have hormone receptors but it was also hormone receptive to estrogen so it was a little bit of everything which is why I think they called it mosaic because it's complex and it's made up of different things mm-hmm. so what they told me is they couldn't just treat the triple negative side or the hormone receptive side they had to give me a bit of everything because they didn't know what would work I was a bit of a weird case so I did sit there saying, typical, I just have to be different, don't I? I have to collect the set, you know. Um, so I went for it and I assumed that I was going to have um, six sessions of chemo and they call it FECT, which is the one they give you for the hormone receptive. They then told me, oh, no, no, you're going to have a couple of weekly sessions afterwards to fix the other side. So I still didn't think it was going to be a huge amount. It ended up being 16 rounds of chemo. That's which huge now for a, a lot of people obviously haven't been anywhere near that kind of a journey but that is far in excess of what an awful lot of people have to endure and chemo is not an easy thing to endure it's not no and I think again you can look at a smaller number and say right I'm in single single digits here this is great I'm counting down and that's the that's what I wanted to do and it is exactly like you've said Tracy the the normal amount is between six and nine sessions and usually you have three weeks in between which is a bit of respite because I the, the hardest thing for me I again like I said with the knowledge is power thing is the going into the unknown the first chemo session I had, it was, how's this going to feel? How how long is it going to take? 
how how's it all going to work am I going to be sick all of these things you kind of work yourself up going mad thinking about it all and the night before I was just a mess you know thinking about everything so the hardest part for me was that very first session because mm-hmm. it was just the unknown and it took about five hours because there was a lot to to give me I did try wearing a cold cap because there was a small part of me that the vanity side that was like please keep my hair but unfortunately that didn't work out and I found that that probably contributed to to my sickness to be honest so that was really hard but I got through those sessions and I found very quickly that actually after one session you felt awful for probably about eight days and then I started to recover and I started to just be a bit tired so I had a little bit of respite before I went back but then the second part of that journey was then thinking oh god I've got to go back and it was getting the courage and just picking yourself up and making yourself go to that next chemo session. And that's where my partner, James, was amazing because he hadn't been with me very long, but he threw himself into it. And he went to every counselling session or every kind of pre-assessment where they told me what I was going to go through. He read everything he could to try and understand. And he actually said to me at the time, he used to he used to be the person that gave me that final push. He'd say, come on. It's just today. And yes, you're going to feel like really awful for a few days, but you know this now. You've done it before. You can do it again. So just do it again, because every time you do it, you're working your way towards the end. Mm. And that mindset was so, so helpful to have someone else just to give me that bit of perspective. And it was great. I mean, it wasn't great, but it's weird. It's It was kind of, he was fantastic. It was like the Dickens novel. I think it's The Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times because on one hand, I had this incredible relationship with this guy and it was just fun and funny and just really great. Everything I wanted. And on the other side, I was going through this really incredibly hard time. And the two just, it was such a juxtaposition. The two just didn't seem to gel, but somehow it did. Mm. And then after a few of those sessions, I started on the weekly sessions. And I think that's where it ramped up a gear and it got a lot harder. And I started to get to the double digits. So I started thinking, this is great. And then they told me, yeah, you've got another six to go because they'd extended it to the 16. So I had to, again, time to process. And I found all the way through this, the best way for me to kind of keep myself going was to let myself feel that, not to block it or put it away, but to say, okay, let this sink in, have a little cry. James used to call it, you know, have a wobble. He'd say, okay, it's okay. You have your wobble, have a wobble. And I'd spend a couple of minutes just crying and moaning and and saying how it was unfair and all these things. And he'd he'd be there, you know, I know, I know. But, and then he'd always offer the, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep doing this. And we did get through it, even though it was incredibly hard because once I was on the weekly sessions, it was two different drugs, Paclitaxel and, um, there was another one in there that I can't remember, carboplatin. It was so high that they started giving me extra steroids. And then alongside the journey, I was putting on a kilo in weight every week. My face ballooned. There are times now that I look back at pictures of myself and I think, I don't recognize that person because at the time I didn't notice it as much. I was too busy focusing on the journey and getting better. You know, the last thing you're worried about is how you look, even though a big part of me was saying, the, the the sad side of it was saying you're losing yourself as a woman you know it's a really incredibly hard thing to go through because I had 
the whole chance of being a mother taken away from me because I was told by the hospital that there was no time. They couldn't harvest the eggs. If I'd, I'd done anything before chemo, it would have put me back so far that I could have died. And I ended up saying, well, what's the point of having eggs on a shelf if I'm not here to use them? So the whole way along this process, it's about me trying to figure out what is the best scenario and what's achievable and what's reasonable because I couldn't have some things and I had to get used to that and it had to process it every time. So it was, it was incredibly hard time, but I was very fortunate along the way. Absolutely. And it's like saying goodbye to that part of your life and that, that part of who you are as a person, even I look back and I think I'm still me. I'm still very much the same personality. I still make the same terrible jokes. You know, I still look pretty much the same apart from a few things here and there, but actually a lot of what was me isn't me anymore. You know, I can't have children because of the chemo. It put me into an in early menopause and the, the drugs that I'm taking ongoing they again give you menopausal symptoms and it just stops your ovaries from functioning so it isn't on the table anymore it's a change to what I expected to be my life plan at the same time I then had to deal with I finished my chemo and I thought that's great and I had some fantastic news the positive mindset I think had definitely helped to kind of I was very in tune with my body and I made sure I was really giving it everything I needed at this time. Not what I'd done in the previous, you know, 10 years before that in my career, obviously, but now I was really hyper-focused on looking after myself. And luckily when they sat me down and said, we've done some more tests, the chemo was really successful. And the, the lump that had been the size of a bar of soap in my breast, it had grown in like four weeks. It had grown to 10 by two centimeters. It was huge. And they said, this, this is unprecedented. It's now 2.5 centimeters by I think three. And it was, it was massively shrunken down. And I immediately oh. thought, oh, at the time I was like oh this is brilliant I, I probably don't have to have the mastectomy now right I can have a lumpectomy and I'll save my breast and then COVID hits I had the rest of my chemo sessions with COVID and I wasn't able to have anybody in there with me so again another massive readjustment of actually going to this clinic every time on my own sitting there for five hours every time with no company you know no support like that and luckily the nurses at the clinic were absolutely amazing and I will be thankful to those people for the rest of my life because they were all amazing and they helped me to be here today but it was an incredibly hard time and unfortunately because of COVID they didn't want to take any risks and they said yeah okay it's shrunk but we can't take that risk unfortunately we do still need to do a mastectomy so then I was faced with losing my breasts and I've, I'm not hugely old I'm I was 36 when I was diagnosed I was 37 at this time and I've always had a very hourglass figure so for me I've always led with my breasts and it was such a hard time for me to deal with the process of I'm going to lose this. This is going to be completely different. I don't know how it's going to look afterwards. I already have the ovary thing going on and my hair had all gone. So realistically, the hardest thing for me was the fact that I felt like this cancer was stripping away my femininity. It was literally taking everything about me that I felt made me a woman mm. and destroying it. And it it was really hard to come to terms with that. But again, I think a lot of people will say to me now these days and they hear my story and they say, you're so brave, you're so strong. And I think I, I think I had to be, but also I didn't have a choice because optional. 
no you know and I think when you realize that there isn't so much of a choice it really helps to define your path because it's in either you go for this and you have to deal with the consequences and just just do it knowing that you're not going to like it or you don't do anything and you stick your head in the sand and the decision will be made for you unfortunately and and that was really really hard so how long did this journey take as you were going through all the chemo right the way through and then they said you've still got to have the mastectomy Mm-hmm. How did you come out of that? Um, realistically, the whole process from diagnosis to the actual end of my treatment took about a year, just under a year. So the, the chemo took until mid-May. So it was a good couple of months, probably the longest part of that process. I then had the mastectomy in June uh, 2020, which again was really hard because it was alone, COVID. And I, I said, can you do a reconstruction? They wouldn't do a reconstruction because of the infection risk and the fact that they've been told because of COVID, they can't take extra risks. So I then lived for a year after that with just one breast. And sometimes I'd stick a few socks down my bra or, you know, I had the little um, cushion that they gave you, but I just kind of improvised and I just went along with it. I used to take it out in meetings when I went back to work and be like, Wait. because I was just trying to have fun with it, because what else can you do? And I did, unfortunately, straight after my mastectomy, I developed sepsis, which, again, was an incredibly hard time. I had a lot of drains when you have the mastectomy. They put drains in you to help take the fluid away to help you recover quicker. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, one of them did get infected and I probably had it in for maybe too long because I had a lot of fluid coming out and when they did take that out the infection spread very rapidly and suddenly the next morning I woke up and I did not feel well at all all I wanted to do was sleep I felt very weird my partner said I looked gray and he told me you need to do something about this and even then I was in that mindset I don't want to bother anyone it's fine I'm sure I just need a good sleep it's I'm just tired and he came up at lunchtime and said have you called your clinic yet and told them about this I said no and he's like right do it now And I actually owe my life to him because if he hadn't pestered me to do that, I I wouldn't have made that call. My temperature, they told me to take it, it was 39.8 at the time. It was incredibly high. They took me in straight to hospital, sepsis written all over my notes. They tried to give me some antibiotics straight away. And that's when it hit home. The reality was I could die. I don't think I'd really, all the way through this process, I hadn't kind of considered I would die because I was always in that fight mode where I thought it's a possibility but I'm not going to let that happen Mm -hmm. and suddenly that decision was taken away from me and I was in hospital I only realized when I was in a room to the side and I had seven people come in with clipboards and they're all doing things and talking and it was quite a scary moment because I was alone and I realized I've never had this much attention in hospital before it's serious they were talking about taking me back into theater redressing everything going through it all again and they didn't know what they were going to do and I had to stay there for five grueling days where every day it was are you any better no you still haven't turned that corner yet and then eventually on the fifth day I did and it was that was terrifying I remember being on the phone calling my partner my family crying on the phone because none of them knew if they'd see me again including my partner because he dropped me off and he walked away because he wasn't allowed in hospital and it was heartbreaking for him yeah. you know he went home and cried because he, he didn't know if he was going to see me again mm-hmm. so all of these these really hard moments I then went through radiotherapy after that and I had 15 rounds which sounds like a lot but again anyone going through this or knowing knowing 
knowing anyone who's going to go through this, I would say hands down the radiotherapy is the best part of the treatments because once you've gone through all those other bits, it feels much more manageable in comparison. It's unpleasant in places and it is time consuming because you have to go every day. But it was my favorite part of the treatment in a weird way. And it also signified the end of my treatment. So mm. one of the things that me and my partner did while we were going through this was we watched a lot of um, SAS Who Dares Wins. And I used that a lot for inspiration. They have a little hashtag, which is always a little further. So I applied that to the way I look at my life. And it was very much yeah what 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 am I going to do next how do I keep pushing myself a little bit further don't think about the end think about now so yeah Yeah. managed to get through it all um took about a year in in totality um and then I went back to work and I started to rebuild my life again so you went back to work kind of briefly let's say for a year after this huge life-changing set of events it's not even an event it's a huge part of your life has happened mm-hmm. and you know you have smashed it you're still on the journey of continuing to smash it because it takes time to come out of that tunnel but uh, mm-hmm. you stayed for a year or so and then you went out on your own after all of that you still are unbeatable and saying <laughs> nothing's stopping me nothing's holding me back so you went out on your own yeah And you know what, I think going through everything I've been through has just helped me to be even more focused and even more driven, if that makes sense. But in a healthier way, Mm -hmm. I've I've learned the distinction between working hard and working yourself to the bone. And there is a big difference. And it's kind of my attitude is always now work smarter, not harder. So what can I do to make this work better for me? And I went back to my job and it was it was so fantastic at first going back because it was like the first steps to me becoming me again. It was being welcomed back into the office by friends and people in my team that I loved working with. And that just that sense of normality was so encouraging for me. And then I carried on and I, I was worried at first. Obviously, you have the self-doubt. I was worried. Am I going to be able to to do what I used to do? because it was a lot and you know do I have the energy anymore do I still have the right mentality to do it and chemo gives you a bit of brain fog as well so it kind of makes your short-term memory or so I found it's it's been quite hard to kind of you sometimes have a bit of fog and I was thinking am I even up to this anymore Mm. like am I gonna have to take a step back and and go do something that's less responsible um a lower level and it was all these questions all these fears but actually I seemed to hit the ground running, which I think was partly because I was just so desperate to get back to it. And it was such a lovely release of, yeah, I'm back in my original life and I love it and I'm, I'm here again and I can start that rebuilding. And then after a few months, the reason I stayed there for a year was because after a few months, I started to feel these old patterns creeping in again. I was working on the, the weight loss because I'd put on three and a half stone by this point because of all my treatment. So I was starting it even further back than I was originally in 2019 when I was trying to get on that journey Mm. and things were starting to to move forwards but not in the way I wanted and actually I found that I was still doing the commute I wasn't going in as as many days a week so I had a bit of respite but actually I was still doing late hours I was still you know putting the work first not having my lunch breaks not eating properly all these things and I just thought 
you haven't you haven't learned anything and it was this kind of self-talk and this realization that made me think what do I actually let's start thinking about what I want in my future now you know you've been through this you know you're incredibly resilient you're adaptable you can do pretty much most things you put your mind to I mean if you can do that and get through that what else can you do so I started to think really positively and instead of saying you know I'm just going to try and make this work but better I thought actually why not just give yourself a brand new challenge and I spent my whole life working in companies and building myself up and building other brands up and doing things that drive other people's dreams mm-hmm. so now I decided actually you know what it's it's finally time to do something that is my dream and there's no time to wait anymore because something that going through all this has taught me is you don't need to wait for some things You know, if you really want something, one of the best quotes I read recently was a person said, your secret power is starting before you're ready. And that really, really resonates because having all of these things about starting your own business, all of this negative self-talk and imposter syndrome, you're never going to feel ready. I think it's a bit similar to when you have a child, you know, people that say we weren't ready. It just happens and you you make it work. And I think that's the that's the kind of mindset I took when I, I decided to do my own business is I'm just going to go for it and I'm, I'm going to make it work because I know I can get through anything now. So let's just go for it. It's time to make my dreams come true as well. It's such an incredible attitude to have. And that quote sums it up so beautifully that your secret power or super was it secret power, your secret power yeah. starting before you're ready. Yeah, because just we taking the plunge out of things all the time, don't we? We say we're not ready. I don't have mm-hmm. enough money or I don't have enough experience or I don't have enough this or of that. I'm not ready. So we'll always tell ourselves I'll do it when. Mm-hmm. Instead of and you know, into it. and you know what it's really similar to in the in the kind of a, a smaller form, but it actually makes a lot of sense. You could apply the same thing to going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Who's ever got up and said, oh, I really, really fancy going to the gym today? It's very much a mindset of I don't really want to go or I don't have time. It's always one of those things, isn't it, going to the gym that you put off because you don't have time or you don't want to push yourself and you don't want to end up sweaty and tired. But actually, how is it after you've been to the gym? You feel amazing. You've got the endorphins. You feel incredible, like you take on the world. And I think having that mindset, it, it expands into all other areas of my life. Where it's the same scenario with this business. Is I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had that fear, but actually now I've gone ahead and done it. I've got the same feeling that I have if I've gone to the gym. I have that feeling of like pride, almost an empowerment in myself, where I think, wow, okay, I've, t- I've taken that step, and I, I've actually gone ahead and done that the old me wouldn't have maybe done that and that's that's progress and I'm happy with that and I'm happy who I am as a person now even though I've been through some of those things I think a lot of it is about having that positive mindset and thinking no actually you know what you can do it because even now when I look at things sometimes there are things in life I still don't want to do even though I've got a lot of positive things happening in my life and I think I always draw back to those experiences and I think what's worse would you rather go through chemo again or would you rather do this and the answer is always okay I'll do this I'll do this every time hands down into perspective 
Absolutely. And for, for all those people out there, not everyone's going to go through cancer. And by God, I hope nobody goes through it. You know, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. So don't take it that you need to go through something quite as big and dramatic as that. It could be any experience that you've gone through in your life that has been difficult for you personally, because I always think everyone's lives are different. We're all doing different things. And the worst thing in your life might not be the worst thing in someone else's life, but it is important to you. So if you can't draw from something that you think is like ridiculously big or dramatic, draw from the hardest thing that you've dealt with up until that point in your life and then say, do I want to go through that again? Or do I want to try this and see what happens? Because this is unknown. That was certain. And I think that's how I apply my logic these days is like, yeah, I'll always draw it back to, do I want to do that again? Or do I want to give this a try? And I'm always going to give something a try. Yeah, it makes the new thing seem easier, so much easier and doable. Mm. So what is next for you, Caroline? You have so many things that you have been through that you've done in your short life so far. What's next? Um, I mean, the sky's the limit. I know I'd, I'd love to say that because I feel like I, I don't give myself those boundaries anymore. And I've got so many exciting, lovely things that I can look forward to now. And I'm, I'm really kind of grabbing hold of that with, with both hands. Um, the first most exciting thing that's happened recently is I've just got married. So, um, I mean, what a lovely story in terms of... I'm incredibly lucky to have met someone I feel at just the right time for us to have gone through all of that together. We weren't together a huge amount of time before he proposed. Um, it was only last October that he did. So we were together about two years. Um, but the amount of things we've gone through, I feel like it's a lifetime almost for some people. We've really done the whole sickness and health thing, but the other way around. So if anything now, like I said, the sky's the limit. We're looking forward to the future and there's all these great positive things happening. We've got married. We're about to adopt a dog from a rescue centre. We're really starting to, to make our personal lives a little, you know, family. And a, it's our own version of a family because obviously we're both aware that the child trajectory is gone. And actually, you know, we're going to have fur babies instead. And it's just about making a slight change it's still going to be a great life I'm very confident that me and James together we're going to have a great time we love traveling we're going to hopefully explore the world I have all these lovely possibilities ahead and then in my career as well I've finally taken that step and I'm coming up to in November it will be exactly a year since I started my business and already I've learned so much and I've met some incredible people like yourself as well and I've just had such a wonderful journey just doing those steps it's the unknown you know doing things for the first time meeting people understanding you know I, I've got 15 years experience in marketing and PR so I, I kind of get that but actually doing your own business completely completely innocent to a lot of it and it's been a massive learning curve but a really really interesting one um so really now the next step for me in terms of the business is to take it to the next level because I'm coming up to the first year, I'm now looking at a lot of my clients have been people I used to work with or people who've re recommended me. I've been very fortunate that I haven't needed to go out and advertise too much. But now I'm thinking expansion. You know, I want to start seeing where this can go. So actually, do I want to start working with people and, and really build my agency and not just have me as kind of a, you know, a sole trader doing everything? Because I'm also not arrogant to think, 
that I know everything because I don't. And, you know, like I said earlier, the marketing world moves very, very quickly. It's so fast paced that there are always new things coming out. And actually, I'm very much a generalist in the marketing sense. So I do about 80% marketing, 20% PR in my, my current business. And actually, a lot of that is pretty much anything you can think of in terms of traditional formats, TV, door drops, um, online formats like social media marketing and advertising. There's all sorts going on there. And I love it. It's so diverse. And I just wake up every day thinking I, I just love what I do. And I'm so happy. And, and you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be in that situation, really. I'm, I'm so grateful to be here and to be now doing what I like every day with this whole world of opportunities ahead of me. Well, your clients must be so lucky to be working with you because when you get the choice to work with somebody who is bored and tired with what they're doing or someone like you who is energized and can bust through anything and achieve and overcome anything, they're going to do so much better with someone who has that mentality that's, yeah, throw it at me, I'm going to get through this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do that day to day with my clients, you know, they'll ask me questions about things that they're very modern things that actually, I might not know the nth degree of Instagram and its workings. And I take it and I research because that's what everybody does. Not everyone is built, you know, you don't just start your life with all this knowledge, you have to learn and develop and keep growing. So every day they throw something new at me. And I think, okay, we can do this. I recently was asked to turn around um, some journalists for an event with 24 hours notice and I managed to get 11 people there so you know I don't say no generally I, I always give it my best and I think okay let's give it a go I think we can do it so and I'm very much an optimist your life as well I know you've mentioned another motto but let's give it a go I think we can do this I, I think yeah. that, and you say it always with a smile that positive energy is there and that's what carries you through all of these things. Well, Caroline, you shared an amazing journey with us today. I have to thank you so much for sharing the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and very raw aspects of your life, but sharing it also with this huge positivity that I certainly find very inspiring. Thank you so much. And if I could just say one thing extra as well, is just to remember everyone out there, please do check yourself. I know it's not the first thing we all think of, but it's 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 taught me that things can happen to anyone at any stage of their lives. It doesn't necessarily need to even be cancer related. It could be anything. Just take a few moments to check in on yourself and see how you're feeling mentally and your own well-being, but also check your body. Is there anything that's niggling you? Is there anything that you need to get checked out? And don't wait to check it out. Always go and check and, and get that answer. Don't live in limbo because knowledge is power. And at least if you know what's happening, you can try and figure out how to get through that. I think that's brilliant advice and absolutely wholeheartedly know your body, know when something doesn't feel right, doesn't look right on your body and get it checked out don't sit worrying and wondering if it'll just go away or just waiting for it to go away pester your doctor get the time and and look into it and find out you'd rather hear no problem it's all fine than to learn too late that you've let it go too far and it's a problem so yeah. definitely I, I absolutely endorse that 
So yes, know your body, check yourself out. And that goes for both women and men. And go to the doctor at the first sign of anything that you feel is not right in your body. And, and also don't wait. Just yes. take take my example. If you have a dream, if you have a goal, it doesn't have to be career related. It could be a personal goal of climbing a mountain or losing weight. Don't wait for tomorrow. And but equally, don't put all the pressure on yourself to get it done by tomorrow. Remember, there are steps along the way and just look at the very next step. What can I do today? that makes a difference um, and I always say big things have small beginnings so I I would ask everyone out there to just start with those small beginnings and see what happens because it all adds up beautiful Caroline thank you so much for joining us another amazing journey an amazing experience and just beautiful energy so thank you for sharing with us and thank you to everybody who has joined us along the way for another episode of Limitless Potential. And we look forward to welcoming you back in the next episode for another helping of a life journey and of amazing people sharing their experiences and how they tap into their limitless potential. We'll see you soon.